What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we're Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going pretty well. Pretty damn well. Uh, just got off a big weekend of um, XFL watching in yeah, my life. The new iteration of the XFL has happened. Uh, you are a Sea Dragons guy, are you not? I thought I was a Sea Dragons guy, um, but they have a big Atlanta sports vibe. They had a chance to tie the ball game, and then they could have gone for a three-point conversion, which is pretty standard, and it would have made for the most exciting uh, starts of the XFL ever. Second go-around. Sure. And instead, like I think some loser running back fumbled uh, as soon as they got the ball back with enough time to do it, and that was the end of it. I think you got that's got to be your team. You got to stick by him. Uh, I'm thinking I'm a uh, I might be a DC guy actually. Don't do that. I know. Makes you think of the Nationals. I know, and it, it is close to the Nationals, but they have uh, the old quarterback from Ohio State, um, whose name I can't remember right now. Graham, I'm guessing you don't have this, do you? No. Cardale Jones. Oh, I remember that guy. Yep. Yeah. And uh, they play in their soccer stadium, which is actually a good-sized stadium for an XFL franchise. And they had a lot. Some drunk guy got kicked out. It's pretty exciting. Hmm. Uh, what's your team, Graham? I don't have a team. I watched maybe a collective 10 minutes of XFL. I was uh, coming back from out of town on Saturday, so I uh, didn't really get to watch much of the Sea Dragons game. Watched a little bit of the game the next day, but that's about it. But they honestly have like a couple rules that the NFL should really think about, mm. uh, namely with the kickoffs, because you know kickoffs suck now. Yes, ever since they moved the ball up. Yeah, it's just a touchback every time. Right. So the way the XFL does it, I don't know if they move the ball back. I don't even think about it, or these kickers just can't kick it into the end zone. But um, the now, def- no one can run, right? Or what? What is it exactly? Yeah, well, the defenders are lined up like. Five yards away. When you say the defenders, do you mean from the, the, the kickoff team or the receiving team? The kickoff, the kickoff team, team and the receiving team okay. are both lined up like five yards apart from each other down the field. That is odd. Uh, and then the kickoff team can't move until the ball is caught. Hmm. But I mean, there were a couple like big returns because of it, but like also like people aren't getting killed with someone sprinting full speed down the field at them. Sure. Um, so I like that one, and then just some of the stuff they do with the replays, where you're like inside the replay booth. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Um, something the NFL could think about, just because you don't know how the hell they come about these decisions. Mm-hmm. But this way, you actually hear exactly what the loser referee in the booth is saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean that's that's that is actually something I think the NFL will steal. I heard about that. It sounds it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, in terms of the, the booth stuff. Um, and while we're on sport rule changes, Graham, mm-hmm. did you hear about this MLB stuff going on? Yeah, I did. It's fascinating. So, yeah, that came out, what was that, La- yeah, yes, last yes. night, yeah. yesterday, um, where it's proposed rule change from, it's, it's, it's not just a thing someone's pulling out of their ass, too. This is from, I mean, maybe someone is pulling out of their ass, but the people who are pulling out of their asses are the people who make the decisions. Rob Manfred, commissioner and company, are saying that they're going to ex- try to expand the playoffs to seven teams in 2022. 
which, you know, is great because that's just another round earlier the Braves can lose in the first round now. So, you know, that's fantastic. But here's the real kicker is that I think the top seed gets a bye, and then the other two division-winning seeds get to pick who they want to play out of the wild card uh, wild card uh, teams. So this is a wild proposition. So looking at the NL playoffs from last year, it would have been the um, – who's the best team in the National League? Braves were two. Dodgers. Dodgers would have gotten a first-round bye, and then the Braves probably would have chosen to play the Diamondbacks oh, in, yeah. in a best-of-three series. Mm-hmm. And – then it would have been Washington probably choosing to play. No, I think. And then it's like the Cardinals, Brewers, and then Washington and the Mets, which would be, I mean, it'd be some exciting times. Best of three game series. It gets rid of that. I want nothing to ever do with that wild card game. Right. And if it, yeah, if it turns into a best of three series, then at least it's a series, which is consistent with how. The season goes. It would be like a regular season series, except the stakes are an all-time high. But if you lose the first game, you're not totally you know, screwed. Right. The only thing I don't like about this is the team, the, you know, the best teams getting to pick who they want to play. I think that's a little bullshit. Why not just have normal seating? I think it's just so... Well, I mean, think about... I mean, like, last year, like, the, the Nationals coming in hot, like, you get teams you don't want to play at the end of the year, and, like, you can get screwed as a higher seed. Sure. So <clears throat> I think the point of that is you're avoiding tanking a lot more and just making – but still making it important to get a number one seed. Yeah, but that still doesn't say that – that still doesn't solve my problem of why do they get to pick. Because there's an advantage to being a higher seed. But doesn't you, don't you think it seems like it's a gimmick? A little bit, but – Like, is that going to attract more – more users, as we would like to say, to, to watch. It's going to create a rating bonanza where they try to make it something like the damn NCAA tournament selection show, but in a perverse well, way. Well, the, the show itself is dumb, but I, like, and yeah, I don't, I'm not going to watch that. I don't watch the NCAA selection show, but... Oh, I, I'll definitely watch it if it happens. Yeah, probably. I can't wait for the year to be like 2027, Freddie Freeman's like last year playing and we're the sixth wildcard team and the Dodgers pick us for the... Fourth consecutive year to beat our asses, sweep our asses in a uh, best of three wild card series. But the selection, I don't have a problem with the selection. Like I don't think that's an issue. Like what's what's wrong with the better team getting to choose who matches up well against? I just them? don't like the idea of there being autonomy over that. I just think there's nothing behind it other than just a gimmick. It's like well, you're old school, Graham. I am old school, but I'm, I'm willing to be open minded about this. But I just don't see the rationale other than creating ratings bonanzas are you just talking about the show itself or both the show itself and the ability for those teams like why should those teams get to pick there is rationale because if if the braves are the damn two seed and have been great all year and the the mets make then you play the six then the mets make a ridiculous run and they they go down like 18 and one down the stretch and then you have to face the hottest team as the damn seventh seed and so be it. That, that's your seed. You earned your seed. Well, well then, Tough shit. then we try to start losing games because we see the Mets come and we're like, shit, let's lo- try to lose the last five games. Oh, I see what you're saying about the tanking thing now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just don't like it. I just feel like it's 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 trying to make more... It's much ado about nothing. Just exp- If you're going to expand it, expand it. You don't need to add this other bullshit to it. 
It's it's just silly. Well, they're trying to attract the. Uh, and how many teams have you seen tank, and and today's playoffs. For a better seating. No, but it's, it's more more. There's going to be less tanking because there's more playoff spots up for grabs now. Right, but I'm just saying. Oh, okay. Well, I've just never seen a, a, a team do that to, for the postseason's purposes. To try and lose more to get a to set up a better matchup. But it's going to make it more competitive throughout the regular season because yes, have, you I have, like that. That's you have totally a lot less people trading off at the trade deadline. Totally fine with that. And then, but it's it's like, and it's you, more. You know the debate we always have the last couple of weeks. Do you rest players or not? It doesn't really matter. So we're, you think this would, this would cut off some of the games, take it down to like 150, 154 or something like that? I think they should do that, but I don't think they're going to. No, they'll lose too much money. But, it, I mean, it gives you more incentive to keep playing and finishing out a season if you still have a chance to get the one seed because it does matter. Yeah. I don't know. It's It seems like it's just being done to create hype. But I do like the expansion. Base, baseball needs hype. Maybe it does. I just think Rob Manfred... Ratings are down. Rob Manfred hates uh, how traditional base, the, the traditions of baseball so much he wants, to, he wants to change it. What are you, Joe Simpson? No, I'm just... It's just that's how it feels. All this stuff, the pitch clocks and whatnot. No matter what you do to baseball in order to preserve how, you know... Or, or, you, or you know, the extra inning games to start a runner on second base. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. It takes away from... That really does take away from the purity of the game to me. So that's not actually the happening, is it? That's just, they were just trying that they were in just, minor leagues, right? Right. It's, I don't know. Maybe it'll happen next year. You have, we have no idea. Um, you know, this year, I think one of the changes that is, you know, I sort of like and don't like is you have to face three batters as a relief pitcher now. You can't just have a left-handed specialist anymore. I like that. I think that... It's got... This isn't a traditional thing. This is the new age shit. The sabermetrics have started this bullshit where you just... Bring in one pitcher for one guy, no, bring there, in another there pitcher plenty for one of, guy. There, look at Bobby Cox. He did that all the they time. They were left-handed specialists, but not to yeah. this extreme. Yeah, now with more data, people are going to try and do, uh, you know, employ that strategy more often, certainly. But this is one of those those things I, I seesaw around because, you know, it is kind of a pain in the ass as a fan to say, all right, we're going to have our fourth pitching change this inning. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I can see it from the point of view of a manager with all this data that I have access to. What can I do to put my team in the best position to win? And if that's what I think I should do, this this eliminates that. And and it will have a huge impact, I think, on the outcome of games this year, more so than any uh, any other rule change that's happened maybe in the last 10, 15 years of baseball. Well, I mean, now it's just different strategy, knowing that you got to have a put the right guy in there to face the next right, guy. Right, you got to adjust. It's just... It just diminishes the value of, of of the data to a degree. I don't think this is a I don't think this is a rule change that we will care about that much. No, in, I think people are gonna embrace months. this more from a fan standpoint. But I think it is something worth monitoring in terms of the um, construction of bullpens now. Yeah. It's not gonna be as important to have a lefty specialist. No more Jerry Blevins. Right. It's not gonna be as important to have a lefty specialist because teams always well, seemingly now diversify their lineup. To the point where it's like, um, you know, even if the only way like a lefty specialist would, would, would really work out is if, you know, you need the last out of an, of an inning and then they're going to face a left-hander in the next the next half inning or something like that. But even then, very rarely do you see back-to-back left-handers hitting in a lot of lineups these days. So it really is going to eliminate the left-handed specialist, which we'll see how that changes the dynamics of the game. And that's going to force a lot of guys to really rethink 
their own pitching strategies and their own and, and how they go about their business because you know their lifestyle is going to change a lot now. So that would be an interesting rule change, certainly. Someone on the on six eighty today was talking about. Can you imagine Brian Snitker up on stage for some new age bullshit like Sunday selection show about what team you want to play? He's just like, I, I, I don't know what's going on here, guys. Well, I wonder how they're going to do that. Is it, is it going to be, you know, Matt Vaskersian and people of that ilk up there just saying, okay, we've gotten word that the... Who the hell's Don, Matt Vaskersian? He's the play-by-play guy. Oh, uh, ESPN guy? The ESPN guy. is on MLB Network, too. But, you know, just someone like that hosting a show, and then he's going like, we've heard from No, I think the they'll, they'll bring in, like, a Chipper Jones or somebody like You've that. You've got to have someone like that. It's going to be like a... It. It's going to be like a the NBA draft lot. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't want guys, you know, talking to heads telling me that shit. I'd rather have... If you're going to do it... You know, really go all out. You know, bring in like Marcus Giles Marcus one year, Giles. Brooks Conrad the next year. I don't want Brooks Conrad talking anything about the postseason. Scott Thorman the following year. Pete Orr year after that. Pete Orr after that. You know, I mean, you can. I mean, that that's assuming we're making the playoffs four years in a row. Sure. And uh, losing in the first round four years in a row. But if we ever get the number one seed, then we automatically does that bust our streak of the two thousand one? No. Well. Yeah, no, it just put us in the division series. Right, so we'd just be back to lose once yeah. again. In the so basically, this is just extending the wild card yes. series. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, like, you think about with baseball, you had to win the league to go to the World Series when, you know, in the 50s, the 60s, and 70s. Hell, maybe even going to the 80s and early 90s. I can't remember when the rule change happened where <laughs> we started having division winners and, and playoffs like that. I know the first year of the original wild card was 95. Mm-hmm. The year the Braves won, but you had to win the league. You had to in the regular season. You had to have you had to have the best record, and that was that that decided who was going to the World Series. There weren't there was no championship series. There was no division series. Now it's going to change to the point where you have three additional wild card teams. It's, it's pretty wild. Oh. Welcome to twenty twenty, Graham. Yeah. And our reality TV selection shows. Um, and other news, Adam. During our hiatus, of course, when we take a hiatus, big things happen. Uh, old news now to most of, most of you out there, but the Hawks have been rather busy as the trade deadline came to a head. Well, last keep week. keep in mind, Graham, that you wanted to record an episode. I think uh, two days before the trade deadline. Yeah, it was going out of town, so we so couldn't record. <laughs> so, I think it's better to be late on something like that. than yes, early. Better to be late than sorry. The whole last episode regard. would have just been speculating about what trade. Well, I'm sure you got to try and get a capella, which. Which I don't think we're actually going to do that. I don't see us making a move for this year. But it worked out great. Yeah, so the, the Hawks engaged in a massive 12-player trade last week, um, mostly with the Rockets. So we traded a first-round pick from Brooklyn and a second-round pick from the Warriors and some other folks. It was a whole other thing. Like uh, we also traded Evan Turner to Minnesota. There's a lot of back and forth in terms of how many pe- teams were involved in this trade. Um, but the the big takeaway from this is is that we got Clint Capella, who's under contract for the next three seasons, and we also cri- acquired Nene, who's probably going to get waived if he hasn't already. And one thing that the Hawks have really not had this year at all is is intimidating center presence. And we have certainly gotten that with Clint Capella. He's averaging a little over 13 points a game, and he's also averaging a little under 14 points. Sorry. And that's 
And so one thing the Hawks have lacked entirely this year is an intimidating rim presence. They're one of the worst teams in terms of defending the rim. I think the only team that's been worse than us has been Chicago. And while we're getting that with Clint Capella, guy averages just under two blocks a game, 1.8 blocks a game. He averages just under 14 rebounds a game. That's fifth best in the Eastern Division. I think either tied for or um, just behind Joel Embiid. And he averages just a little under 14 points a game. And I think now that he's going to be involved in an, in an offense that needs more um, scorers, and he certainly is capable of scoring, but when you're on a team with, with you know Russell Westbrook and James Harden, it's hard to get your opportunities. A lot of isolation. And I know the Hawks kind of play a lot of isolation too, but we're also very good at the pick and roll. And he's a big-time pick-and-roll guy when he does get, get his opportunities. So this is a huge move for the Hawks in terms of moving forward. Uh, he hasn't played yet because he's suffering from plant, plantar fasciitis, which is a foot condition which really uh, sucks to put any weight on your feet when you got that. But in terms of what we had to give up and what we're getting, I think this is a great move by Travis Schlank. The Schlank wheels and deals more than any GM I know. Like he puts together some complicated trades. Like all, basically, all we gave up was a seventh, the seventeenth pick in this year's draft, which was Brooklyn's pick that we got in. God even knows what trade from like two two years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a Torian Prince trade. Something I don't like that. Yeah, I don't know. But he just gives up a bunch of expiring contracts. the The other trade we the debt uh, no not the the Deadman trade was more straight up, I believe. We got rid of Alex Lynn and Jabari Parker. Okay, so the the trade for the the other center we got, what was that guy's name? Uh, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head. A, a young man from the Trailblazers, who apparently, I mean, seems like he's got a little bit of potential coming in, but like we, the Trailblazers traded their own second round pick for this guy, and we end up with him. Right. I don't know what the schlink has going on. Yeah, Skull Bissere. He's only twenty three, so certainly plenty of, of time to develop. But I mean, you gotta love all three moves we made. Uh, Capella, Deadman. I guess you don't gotta love Skull, right? But, but Capella and Deadman certainly add a lot. And Deadman has played since he's come over in that trade. First game had I think ten points, eight boards, and five blocks. Yeah, he's been a presence in the paint already. And I mean, he's that veteran voice in the locker room that also plays well on the court. Yeah, that we've sorely been lacking. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to be back here. He's locked up for a couple more years. Right, and he'll he, be the he'll be the backup to Capella. Um, it's starting to shape up. It's kind of a coup too because you know we had Deadman last year and then he went out on the open market and got more from the Kings than we were going to offer him. He was just dreadful for the Kings. You know he he only sh- I think he shot under twenty percent from three. He fell out of the rotation. Was just sort of a, a reserve, like a, a deep reserve at that point. They were paying him a, you know a decent amount of money to be a to be a deep reserve and to be able to bring him back. Um, and also shed the dead weight that is Alex Lynn. No offense to him, but he's really had a horrible season. Jabari Parker, his track record is what we thought it was in the sense that you know he has flashes of, of brilliance and he can be a, a, a good offensive player, but he's also prone to injury. And he's and he's been out for the last, I don't know, two, three weeks at this point. Yeah, I kind of just for, completely forgot yeah. about him. And his production before he was injured, or before at least before he was out, really suffered. So, yeah. you know, you got what you could out of him and you bring him back someone who can really – help not only on the floor but as you mentioned in the locker room it's just refreshing to see some moves that are getting us better now and like starting to see things take shape i mean i don't want another 17th 
pick on this roster. No. We don't have room for anyone else. No. Uh, and you're not going to find a player like Capella at 17. Yeah, the only guy I'm interested in adding in um, in the draft is someone who can be a real difference maker. I don't need a... Yeah, our, our pick, pick is all I want. Yeah. Our hopefully top three pick. Right. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the second half, though. I mean, you can see this team starting to refine its identity again. Um, and that's without Capella playing, so... And apparently we have the e- NBA's easiest schedule the rest of the way. Which is great considering how horrible our, our schedule was to begin the season. Yeah. Um, it was one of the toughest. And you really got to, I mean, the East is garbage outside like the top five or six teams. Like we're only like seven games out and you just got to. Of the playoffs? Of the playoffs, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. So you got to think if it weren't like John Collins suspension, we're probably. Probably in the playoff conversation. An eight seed right now or yeah. around there. Yeah, here's some uh, here's some more encouraging numbers on Capella. He has a contest percentage of forty one point two percent, which means he's contesting shots forty one point two percent of the time, and he's also I been they call it a contest percentage. A contest percentage, sure. He has uh, also been the top ten in defensive rebounding in each of the past three seasons. So this is not just a one off thing of him being a, a good rebounder this year. You know, he has a proven track record. He's also only twenty five. You know, he is in the prime of his career coming into a very advantageous situation, having Trey Young as his point guard, and being able to play with John Collins. Um, you know, a lot of people have been speculating that this might be a problem, but the Hawks aren't concerned uh, with this because Collins has produced with centers who don't really have an outside game, like um, Jones, Lynn. I mean, I know Lynn can kind of shoot the three, but, you know, more traditional centers, which Capella is. He's not a guy that floats out to the to the perimeter a lot on offense. You know, he's he's someone who's an intimidating presence in the post, who Trey Young has also cited, you know, every time he's played Houston, saying that, you know, I always know where Clint Capella is on the court because he will, you know, he will fuck you up. And, you know, you are not going to, you know, I, I really didn't try to penetrate that often when he was there because he's such a good defender. So, you know, and this is really the first time we've had a pure center since probably to Kimmy Mutombo. Mm. I shit you not. Think about it. In terms of a starting center. Al Horford? Al Horford, was, that was not his natural position, though. He was forced to play center. I'm talking about a guy who was, who was built. But he ended and, up playing center his entire career. I know, because we never got him a real center. But he went to other teams and still plays center. Well, he's at... That doesn't matter, though. But I'm just saying, he wasn't put in an advantageous position to... We succeed. had Dwight Howard. That was after Al Horford left. So, we've had... Dwight Howard's a true center. He said but he, I'm he, saying, like, a really good center. Zaza Pachulia was also a, a traditional center, but he wasn't very good, as much as we love Zaza. I'm talking about like a a, a, a above-average, really good center on our team. And this guy Theo Ratliff was after Dikembe Mutombo. Okay. But even still, we're saying he didn't do anything. That, like, this, this guy has a chance to make an impact on a team on the rise. Theo Ratliff Nazi a, Muhammad. I don't remember who that was. You're going to bring up Ivan Johnson next? Ivan Johnson was a small forward at best. Played a little power forward. Right. Anyway, all I'm trying to say is that this guy has the, the pedigree, he has the stats, and the only thing he doesn't have right now is, is good feet, but it, it, he should be back shortly after the All-Star break, and I'm really excited to see him play on this team. And his, his defense is great. I think his offense can go to the next level. I think this is a guy that can average closer to 20 points a game in this system because of the need for more offensive contribution and our proficiency with pick and roll. 
So I, 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 I'm all about this move. And I think Dedman's going to be really... We've already seen it. He's, he's reignited coming back. Well, Dedman's a true center as well, so we've had Dedman on our team since Dikembe. But, no, but, Dikembe, but I'm saying Dedman shoots the three. He was known for his three-point ah. shooting. I'm talking about a guy who's traditional, post-up center, intimidating rim presence. Like, he does his dirty work solely in the paint. Like, this is... I, I always love that, even though I know the NBA has changed to becoming this stretch five league and all that shit. It's still nice sometimes to have a traditional center, a guy you know is going to be under the basket to, to cause chaos on, on defense and also be an intimidating presence in the paint on offense. I compare this to the Hawks bringing in Joe Johnson. where Joe Johnson was with the Suns. He was a good player. Everyone knew he had potential to be great, but he never got the opportunity to shine by himself. Um Capella, I mean, they loved him in Houston, but he's playing with two of the biggest ball hogs in the world today. Right. Yeah. Like, what a brutal offense to watch, those Houston Rockets. Couldn't hate that team more. Sure. Um, so right, Everything that's wrong with the NBA. You're the antithesis of the 2014-2015 Atlanta Hawks, the 60-win team. Yeah. Zero. So, I mean, for Capella, it's got to be exciting for him, too. Yeah. Granted, you don't get to play in the playoffs this year, but, I mean... You, you can see the writing on the wall for oh, yeah. where this is going. For sure. And more uh, horrible offensive or defensive stats for the Hawks. 40% of opponent shots came at the rim, have come at the rim so far this year. And that's awful. Second worst in the league. We were 27th in points allowed per possession and the fourth worst defensive rebounding team. So things are about to get a hell of a lot better once Clint Capella starts playing full-time. That should be fun to watch. we got... Trey Daddy playing, uh, not only starting in the All-Star game, but in the three-point competition, which you know that's going to be electric. Yeah, that's really exciting for him. I'm hoping he is able to just go out and have a good time and, and represent us well and uh, do his thing. Did you hear about this Olympic shit, this Team USA stuff? Yeah, I heard something about that where Trey was not invited to the Olympics. Yeah, it was like tryouts for, for like what tryouts. And tryouts was like the top 44 players, and they don't consider... Trey Young to be among those. Which is crazy considering he's starting for U.S. players. Yeah, starting the All-Star game, like third or fourth in the league in scoring, fifth in assists or whatever it is. I mean, Trey kind of had a disappointing game last night, particularly in the in the first half. But he still finished with 29-9. and nine. But it's like we're so spoiled by him now. It's like, oh, he didn't score 35 points, 42 points, and 15 assists. What the hell is wrong with him? Yeah. You know, that that that's that was like a, a bad shooting night for Trey. But still, you look at the, the, the stat line, it's, it's, it's still really impressive. Dwight Howard got invited. Ridiculous. JaVale McGee got invited. Harrison Barnes. Like, Makes no sense. You know what the crazy part about that is, too? Um, this is a Nike-sponsored event. And Trey is an Adidas guy. Maybe that also had something to do with it. You don't think so? I doubt it. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe he just needs to earn his stripes. A I feel more. like he's done that. Well, yeah, but maybe he needs a little more time in the in the league or something. I have no idea. It's 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 really stupid. The good news about it though is is that that means more time for Trey to rest in the off season. And as much as you want to represent your country and all that stuff, I'd rather Trey kick ass for the Hawks than for USA basketball. I agree. So I think it's it's a blessing in disguise. And although playing with the top players in the world would probably be beneficial to him. Yeah. As well. Right. Oh well. Uh, one thing I've also liked is, is Cam Reddish being a little more aggressive. I think he's sort of starting to come into his own a bit. There was a play last night in the Orlando game that showed me the confidence he has on defense. Where I can't remember who was dribbling the ball, 
Um, the guy picked up his dribble and, and Cam just like ripped it out of his hands. It wasn't even like I, I steal it while you dribble. He just like took it from him. Yeah, I saw that. And it was great. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him a little more lately. John Collins is continuing to do well. Um, still only won like 14 or 15 games, but um, the pieces are there. The pieces are there and, and, and more are coming. More help is on the way with Capella. I really want to really want to know what this this team's mindset is going into the into the off season, especially once they start to play a little more together, getting Capella in there. Like we talked about, we needed we needed more help with the talent and we needed more help with, with in the locker room and I think that Schlenk has has, has done that in space. I tell you, he, he certainly wasn't lying when he said help was coming, bringing in Teague and then Capella and Deadman. Yeah. I mean And and Teague looked good last <clears> night. <throat> yeah, yeah, he's coming around. He's also playing more backup point guard. He's playing a little more when Trey's off the floor, which I think is you know putting him back in a position to succeed as well. So that's a good uh, adjustment by, by by Coach Pierce for sure. Yeah, it's a bit of a tryout for Teague too. Like I would think he would want to come back here. Maybe. I mean, he, he's clearly not a starting caliber point guard, right? At this point, in his but career. he can still contribute. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'd be fine with him as, as uh, Trey's back back up next year. Yeah, totally. Although Brandon Goodwin as well, who has been great in spurts, he got. Finally got his uh, two-year NBA contract today. Wow, good. So a lot of Hawks fans on in the Twitter world were excited to hear that. Mm. Graham has a very I-don't-give-a-shit look on his face. Not really. Okay. Why should I care? Because he's a good-looking player. Okay. Um, i got to s- sit here and name off all these true centers that have played since Dikembe Mutombo. Yes, you do. For your just... Completely false statements, but okay. It's not completely false. Just, yeah, just hate on Brandon Goodwin. I don't hate on him. I, I don't really know much about him. Um, although I, I have seen him. Oh, he. Okay, I know who you're talking about now. He's kind of like bounced up and down. He's had like the 10 day contracts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good for him. Had a couple 20 point games. Right. Played some good minutes last night. Here's a question for you, Adam. Unrelated topic. Um, would you pay John Collins this off season? I, re- I thought you were going to ask me, would you pay and then name a ticket price for us to actually go to a Hawks oh, game? Oh, a Hawks game. Would you pay $30 to go see Trey versus Luca on February 22nd? For just my ticket? Yeah. Factor in the price of beer. I think I got to get that ticket for 20 bucks. Oh, man. I think I, I definitely want to go to that. It's gonna be a great matchup, man. Saturday night, Luca Saturday versus Trey. I'd probably pay thirty bucks. Okay, we should do it. Yeah, this Saturday. Uh, I'm busy this Saturday. Not this Saturday. I'm hosting a party. <laughs> yeah, not, which I'm going to. No, not this Saturday. I think it's either next Saturday or the Saturday after. I gotcha. Um, All right. Do do you pay John Collins this yes. off season? You don't have to because you retain him from an exclusive free agent uh, deal going into. I just shouldn't say deal. You have the right to talk to him first before he's a restricted free agent, basically after the end of next season. So you're, and you don't, you know, you control those negotiations. All I know is we have a shit ton of cap to spend next year. No good looking free agents that you'd want to spend all that money on. Mm-hmm. The earlier you can lock them up, the less you're going to have to pay them versus paying them after next year. Yeah. And Collins and his represent- representation apparently want to get a deal <clears throat> done as soon as possible. Yeah, do it. Lock him up. Yeah, would you pay him a max deal? I don't even know what that means anymore. 
I don't know what that means either, but that would probably be in the, you know, you got to think if Dwayne Dedman gets a $20 million, you know, he's getting paid $20 million a year or whatever it is, John Collins is going to command. Is that how it works now? You just have to give everyone a max deal? Are we going to have to give Harder a max deal? I don't think we're going to give Herder, Herder a max obviously deal. Obviously got to give Trey a max deal. Yes. I give him a double max. Um, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd do it. And, and Schwenk has gone on record saying, you know, he definitely wants to ensure that John is a part of this team and he's one of our best players. So I was starting to question the Schlink after this his terrible offseason and these awful, awful veterans he brought in to replace the ones that he traded out. But Schlink's back on my good page again, Graham. Yeah, after making those moves. Good sure. lord. Yeah. And here's another here's another thing I'll ask you about John Collins. Uh I've had a conversation with a good friend of ours, one uh Edward Varney, also known as Knowledge Boone. Uh, he's not. He's a big NBA fan. Watches the Hawks. He's more of a Bulls fan, though. And he was saying that um, we should, because of the steroid thing with John Collins, that we should have traded him to find uh, to send a message to the rest of the team not to not to fuck around. That's, pretty much. That's a terrible take. That's why I thought too. I was like, that's the stupidest. Trade thing I've your heard. best player. Well, maybe not the best player, but. Second best player. Your second best player for to send a message. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But he's, but then he does he realize that? I mean, that's just gonna I mean Trey Young's never gonna sign a contract with you. That's why it's like, and he it, accidentally did something. I don't think regardless John of whether or not John he Collins actually, he wasn't out there with needles in the damn alley, right? And some sketchy Russian doctor. I think regardless, I think it was still errant on his part not to um, to take the substance. Even if it was accidental, I think you got to be super careful in today's day and age with anything you're putting on your in or on your body. But regardless of that, it would be foolhardy and detrimental to to, to trade John Collins, even if you could get something for him. And it doesn't help the team's morale moving forward on an emotionally fragile team right now. I think either A, Knowledge just had a top five uh, terrible take there, mm-hmm. or he just wants... John Collins traded to the Bulls. That could also be a possibility. Yeah, they could they could certainly use help for some of their trash. Right. Uh, yeah, I thought it was, it was an atrocious atrocious take as well. And yeah, I mean, it, it would be just that would be end times. That'd be like almost another rebuild. Sure. And then the whole thing he was saying is just like, well, he shouldn't be. He's not, he shouldn't even be your second best player. And all this stuff, and I'm like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll get more players to come in here and 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 help out, and hopefully we get another superstar to put with put with Trey, so that he doesn't have to be the second best guy; he can be the third best guy. Yep. Need a shooting guard. Yeah. So, end of that bullshit. Yeah. Don't know what else is really going on in the world of Atlanta sports. Adam, pitchers and catchers are are close to reporting. Um, the Braves signed Yonder Alonso former Rockies first baseman to a minor league deal. Very exciting. Yeah, look out, Freddie. Yeah, Freddie's Freddy's, uh, skating on thin ice, as we know. Yeah, it's been uh, all quiet on the free agent front, trade front. The big uh, Mookie Betts deal took place. I think that's finally official. Yes, Mookie Betts, David Price go to the Dodgers, making the Dodgers even more a behemoth than they already were. Um, and I'm really glad I was actually getting in the car when they were talking about that, and I missed who it was. But they said something about the Dodgers, and I was like, oh, shit, they traded for Arnado or, or Bryant. Um, so you still have pipe dreams for will that happen or no? Yeah. 
I do. Not for Arnada, but Bryant, I think, is, is, is gettable. And it just depends on what the Cubs want to do and what they want to ask for and what their strategy is this year. You know, are they... I imagine they want to try to make another run at this thing with their with their core still intact, or some of their core still intact. Um, but who knows? There hasn't been any... There have been no engagements and trade discussions, apparently, with the Braves, so I'm not holding my breath on it. Would you trade for Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo for Freddie Freeman and Johan Camargo? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would, would like, crush me, but that's such an imbalanced trade that you'd have to do it. Yeah. Rizzo's a guy we could get behind. Oh, Rizzo's really good. I've had he's he's kind of got that quirky, Freddy personality. I've had him on my fantasy team the last four years. Guy's as solid as they come. Yeah. I think Freddy's better than him, but... um, Glad you said that. You, you really gave up on Freddy really quickly there. I didn't give up on Freddy. Well, yeah, in that scenario. <coughs> but, I mean, you have to be stupid and take that deal. So not much Braves news. Well, I was about to get to one more serious <clears throat> topic. Uh, one, Jeff Schultz of The Athletic wrote an, an article... Um, so uh, uh, the headline of the article is, As season nears, Braves face calls to end the chop and change their imagery. So we're about to get a little controversial here, Adam, since we don't have a lot of show to talk about. You start giving me a heads up on these controversial topics. But I'm ready for it. Guys. All right. Yeah, you're stretching out over there. Looks like you're getting ready to run a marathon or something. All right. Go ahead. Um, get, get into it. So Jeff Schultz says that the Braves should end the chop. Um, and he talked to a number of people. He talked to Lane Adams who was a former uh, Braves player. He's actually an official member of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma and has several family members who have worked for the tribe um, and accounts the chief of that uh, tribe amongst his friends. He doesn't really have uh, a problem with it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And um, he, he actually has some family members who hate it. And... So, yeah, that's his opinion. You got other guys like uh, Kevin Alice, who's the CEO of uh, the NCAI. And uh, he, he thinks it's a total shit show and perpetuates racial stereotypes, blah, blah, blah. It's the same kind of, kind of debate we've heard uh, about this topic before when it comes to uh, the usage of, of, of Native American imagery, names, uh, chants, things like that. So... I'm not saying those are the only two opinions out there. I'm just saying those are two opinions of, of folks who are um, in organizations or who are actually Native Americans themselves uh, bring to the table. And the NCAI is National Congress of American Indians. So saying stuff like the warrior savage myth has plagued this country's relationships with the Indian people as it reinforces the racist view that Indians are uncivilized and uneducated. And it has been used to justify policies of forced assimilation and destruction of Indian culture. And they count the tomahawk chat to be among those symbols. So, the tomahawk chop, the Braves got a 91 because right. of Deion Sanders, right. who was a Florida State Seminole. Yes. So, it's a Florida State Seminole chant. The Chiefs also have been doing it for, I think, even as long or maybe even longer than Florida My State. thing is that I feel like isn't brought enough, like, Florida State has, like, a great relationship with the Seminole Nation. Right. 
if they have their blessing, I mean, we're, we're just doing Florida State's chant. That's what we're doing. Yes. Is it, so, is it the Tomahawk specifically that Schultz has the issue? Is it the, oh, oh, oh. I think it's both. Who cares what Schultz thinks? It doesn't really what matter. What do you think? What do I think? Um, I, I can view both sides of the argument. I'm, you know, it, it's hard for me to have, like, a great opinion on this because I'm, you know, I assume I have some Native American in my blood just because I'm sure my ancestors were assholes. Um, take with that what you will. Jesus. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, for me, it's hard to have an opinion on it because I have no strong ties to any Native American uh, folks, unfortunately. And, you know, for me, from my bias standpoint, you know, growing up with it, I never took it as insulting anybody. I always took it as a thing where it was the city of Atlanta coming together and cheering their team on. Like yeah. Tomahawk Chop to me with, uh, you know, without the music where people just go on and on and on during, you know, a big game is one of the most powerful feelings you can feel in sports. And I, and I love that. And I think it's a, a sign of unity and, 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 and bonding. But I come from a very different background where I wasn't, you know, part of a, a people that was, you know, Absolutely, you know, had their land taken from them, their homes taken from them, got sent on the trail of tears. So who the, you know, who the fuck am I to say what should and should not be done with this? I'm not trying to compare the trail of tears to the tomahawk chop being done now, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is basically like, it's hard for me to say like, yeah, I, um, you know, fuck off to anyone who doesn't get it because I don't get what those folks have gone through and what their ancestors went through. But the question is, is it those folks? Native American people that are actually objecting to it, or is it Jeff Schultz? No, there's there's and other white people that are yeah bringing it up and making an issue where maybe there isn't an issue. No, you got you got plenty of people who are, have brought it up who are part of um, you know who are Native Americans who have brought it up and are upset by it, and they can. So it's not just you know hoity toity white people who are you know trying to be progressive. Right. I think it's it is an issue that that affects a lot of people, and I think it's it's worth talking about the merits of of doing and not doing it. Um, and it's all started with that 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 Cardinals pitcher, um, Ryan Helsey or whatever his name was, bringing up. You know, he's he's Native American and brought up how he felt like it was a bunch of bullshit. The tomahawk chop and the Braves took the tomahawk tomahawks away for Game Five, and we got destroyed. That's not be because we got rid of the, the, the tomahawks, I don't think. But it's so funny to me that they get rid of the tomahawks, and then in the half inning after we give up ten fucking runs, they play the tomahawk chop. Oh, they still did? Yeah, so what the Braves have done in effect, and this article points this out too, is um, is that they also said, you know, the Braves said in the offseason that they would talk with Native American tribes, and, you know, they want to have an open dialogue about all this stuff. So... Not only so, so, so by acknowledging what Helsey said, and then by saying they're going to talk to Native American tribes, they've kind of forced themselves to have to do something, or else they're going to seem like, you know, total jackasses. Yeah, they've and, put, and hypocrites. They've put themselves in a corner. Yeah. Not, not only for uh, PR reasons with that, whatever that may be, which I think they could have just been quiet about it all off season, and it would have been fine. Um, but I don't know. First move into Cobb County, now possibly getting rid of the tradition that so many Braves fans have grown up mm-hmm. on. I mean, you're going to, 
like it or not, you're going to be alienating a lot of fans, and you can call those fans that are being alienated whatever you want to, but um, it's going to piss some people off and make the atmosphere less. Right. Than. Right. It's going to be a stupid divisive thing now. That's what's really annoying about all of this. Because, you know, even if they get rid of it... But isn't it divisive as is? It's just not divisive to the, the fan base in the sense of, you know, I think majority of Braves fans, you know, like it or love it. But to all the other folks who feel like their ancestry is being perpetuated in a negative way, it's, it's been divisive to them for their, their whole lives. And I guess, you know, they have a right to feel like that. It's just hard to really... Just talk, I've never met anyone who it's actually divisive to. Right, but how many Native Americans have you talked to in your life? I don't know, probably some. <laughs> I don't ask everyone what they are when I right. meet them. <laughs> oh, no, no, sure. But I'm just saying, it's like it's not like you happen upon a Native American every day. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you do. I don't know. But, you know, someone who is, like, outwardly a Native American who you've had political discussions with. <laughs> Few and far between. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard to really have, like, a, uh, a fully vetted opinion on this. But it's like, I get it, but at the same time, I don't know. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation to sort of wrap your, not even to wrap your mind around, it's just, it's just, you just don't understand the perspective of someone else, really. Because you, you're not as familiar with the, 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 even though you can read a story, you can listen to people, um, but until you actually are able to experience what they go through, you can't fully understand it. When I'm doing the chop for me, I'll admit that I, I do it. Fuck. Um, I'm not thinking like, oh, we're really making fun of these these Native Americans, right. you know, and, and and what a bunch of uncivilized, uncultured dumbasses. Like it pumps me up. It makes me want to go out and 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 cheer for my team harder than I was a second ago when I wasn't doing it. And it's not like we still have a damn drunk white guy in the outfield in a teepee. Yeah, that, that was extreme. <laughs> Dressed up as an Indian. That, that, that is definitely, I can definitely say from my standpoint that that was, uh, that was ridiculous. And it's good that they got rid of that. But um, the question is, we see that in hindsight now. Right. Ten years down the road, we think, oh, that's terrible that we used to do a tomahawk chop at the Braves game. You can certainly take that, yeah. that mindset. I don't know, Graham. Yeah. All I know, the, the thing I'm, the, the, I, I'm just saying it's also going to be annoying because say they get rid of the Tomahawk chop, yeah, you know, there's going to be half the stadium doing the chop just out of, uh, spite. Yeah. Yeah. And then half the stadium pissed off about the people doing the chop and, uh, no one will be watching baseball. Right. Because then this, this, uh, this chant is supposed to unify the, the fan base is, um, you know, has become a, a a bigger deal than the game itself that it's supposed to be, you know, supporting and a part of. And I could definitely see someone saying, "Oh yeah, like if if you know you see two white guys like us going, oh, being like, hey asshole, what the fuck you think you're doing?" But from our standpoint, we're not trying to be assholes. We're just yeah. trying to get pumped for the game. There, there should be more uh, thought about intent. Sure. Um, we have pure hearts, Graham. It's pure as... We're not trying to hurt anybody. No. But, I don't know. There's, there's no way to win this 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 conversation. And it's not even trying to, a conversation trying to win. It's just like, it, it's it's going to be interesting to watch what the Braves do from here. And what happens? I mean, what's next? Will they change the, the name of the Braves to something else? Probably. Um, there's already, you know, a lot of teams have already uh, gotten rid of names that... Um, 
that have anything to do with Native Americans. You know, St. John's uh, Red Men became the Red Storm, something like that. You know, you have plenty of people. You I, know, I just feel like we should be farther down. I was about to say the totem pole, if you will. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but the Redskins still exist? Yeah, the Redskins are still called the Redskins, which is crazy Come on. to me. Yeah, like that's... Let's address that first. Right, right. Um, I don't think there's I don't think there's malicious intent behind what the Braves do with the tomahawk chop, but because people are you know who have ties that are offended by it, I mean, I, at, at this point, you can either skirt it under the rug or you got to address it immediately. I just feel like you, you, th- this whole thing now, this report that Schultz did, is just has, has brought it back in the spotlight. A lot of people in Atlanta are talking about it again, it's de- and especially on the eve of spring training. A new story will come out in a week, probably. Maybe nothing happens. Yeah, maybe it's all just. You know, I'm not even saying going to say a waste of time, but the uh, the, out, the outcome stasis will probably remain, I would think. But I would also not be surprised if, if it's announced near the beginning of the season that the the, the Braves aren't going to engage in the, the tomahawk chop anymore, and will discourage people from doing so. I mean, if you do that, you got to get rid of the tomahawk on the uniform. Yeah, you got to change all the branding. You got you got you have to change the name. Left be like the Red Foxes or some. Shit, you can't know. honestly tell me you like the idea of that happening. No, from my standpoint, I don't. But I can also, like I said, I try to see both sides of an argument in a rational way. And I'm not going to be extremist about it. So, I mean, if it goes away, I'll, I'll, like, I'll understand. And I'll, you know, I'll understand why. I won't ever understand as fully as someone who is a Native American who's pissed off by it. But I'll, I'll get it. And I'll move on. And so be it. I don't think it's one of those things where if it goes away, that's going to you know ruin my feeling of going to a Braves game it'll be weird but I'll we need to talk to a Native American Braves fan is what we need yes we need to get some uh, more perspective yes to enlighten us it would certainly it would probably certainly help this uh, meandering discussion and uh, I don't know what, what would you do if it happened if it, if it got taken away oh I thought we were finishing the conversation there I mean there's nothing I'm gonna do You'd still support the team, and all yes, that I'm going to support the team. Yeah. It's not going to just destroy just, you as a fan. It's just a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. To it all, it all started with a single player saying something about it, and then you do that you, to appease that one player. You get rid of the tomahawk chop before the biggest game that you've played in ten years, and from there, now we're talking about a single Jeff Schultz article and. Rebranding an entire team based off something from it's that we've said has come from Florida State. I don't know, man. Keep bringing these controversial topics up on a lighthearted Atlanta sports show. What are you trying to grow our show or something? Make I don't us, know. It's a, it's a topical thing to make discuss. Make us think every now and then. Yeah. It's not what I want to talk about, for Christ's sake. It's not what I signed up for. Right. <laughs> this is the end of Atlanta Zone, Atlanta Sports Podcast. We just broke up. We just broke up. We'll, uh, I'm just kidding. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Rise up, chop on, stand brotherhood, unite and conquer, remain true to Atlanta. Hospital Thomas. Hospital Thomas.